put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. Welcome to Hex Rated, where we four witches will take you on a magical journey through foul language and outrageous feminism. Plus a little witchy shit. I Start recording now. Okay. Are you down? I'm ready. Are you down? Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting in an empty bathtub, ready to tell you things, <laughs> or have you tell me things? Rather. That sounds amazing. I I like it. Yeah. I can envision <laughs> this. You are surrounded by tarot, I mean, tarot cards. Yeah. I know. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Your bathroom we is the do best. We should do a photo shoot. Oh, we should. We should do a photo shoot. Like, wait, tarot cards in the bathtub? Yeah. Do you like, have that many? A, oh my god! I don't think so, but oh, it would take can a make lot. It happen. Well, you could, you know, what you could do. This is such a cheat, but fucking yeah. Prop, props for me. Just fill it up with like other shit, but then make the top layer fucking, like alter. index cards or whatever, or just then, like sheets. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. And then have the cards on. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that's gonna have to happen for the your next photo shoot that I will not okay, be at. Well, Okay, you got to cut that so that when we post the photo, people don't know how we did it. I mean, it's magic. <laughs> Do you really want me to cut that? Behind I'm, the scenes. I will. No, we're sharing our behind the scenes. I mean, also, if that photo doesn't make the it real, in. The real, the real behind the podcast. <laughs> the, the, the behind the witches. Uh, yeah. Hi. Hello. Hello. Mm. Let us say this is a minisode, a mini episode. Uh, it is me, Blackbird. And me, Scarlet. And we are two of the four of Hex Rated brought to you live today by tea and probably more tea is my guess. Yep. Tea is righteous. Uh, what are we doing today, Scarlet? Well, I wanted to talk to you all about your recent death doula training. I have very many questions. I want to know all about it, and I haven't really had it. So this is, like, going to be the first time I'm hearing this information, too. So this is not staged for the podcast, behind the podcast. That's right. Um, yeah. Coming so, to you um, fresh. And also, I have not really... Uh, let's see. I haven't really talked to anybody about it in, in depth, um, since I got back from it, which was, I can't believe a month ago now. So, okay. There's that. Well, let me just start out real quick. Like, I think I understand what a death doula is, but can you just tell me like real quick, sort of a, a quick definition? Cause I know you're going to go into way more detail as we go along, but just in case, Someone's never heard that term. Like, what exactly is it? I can, and I will tell you. And I will basically first. Excellent. R- right, right off well, the. Then, then we got a podcast, friend. <laughs> we fucking have a topic. Um, right off the bat. Oh, also, I don't think we we did say this is hex rated. Right on. Okay. This is hex rated. It is. But we can keep saying it. We could say it again. Hex rated. Hex rated. Hex rated. Sunday. You're Sunday. To say Sunday. It three times. That's oh, the trick. That's true. So and... people will remember. Oh, I thought it was so somebody would show up in the mirror. Oh. 
<laughs> too. I, that's just some fucking marketing bullshit that like it's like an urban legend i think that like it's if the, you if you say the name of something three times in the commercial it helps people remember it that's fucking like bloody helps, mary marketers bloody mary or beetlejuice oh yeah it's true yeah so yeah, yeah three times is i mean three is always is always good um, yeah unless but, it's just the two of us talking then and, and three is you the listener then it's yes right exactly ah three <laughs> this is already off the rails yeah i mean it's just gonna get worse because i i mean also we were talking about this before we went live but like i am also just like in a raw mood so we'll see how this is gonna come out um okay so basic definition a death doula is something that's a pretty new-ish concept. I would say, like, like seventies or eighties, kind of like, kind of like hospice became a big thing in the sixties. So, like, basically, what a death doula would do is kind of like what a birth doula would do, but on the other end. So, you are there to treat the like spiritual needs of the of the patient of the client basically. And this is all based on a, a client wants you there. You're not like inserting yourself as a death doula just to everybody who's dying. Like maybe one day. I don't know. That's, that well, sounds like a hilarious bro comedy about <laughs> death crashers. Right. Just show up and insert, insert themselves into these situations for well, laughs. Well, <laughs> on a serious, on a more serious note, I would think it would be, it would be amazing to introduce death doulas as part of a hospice care team. And I think there are hospices that are already doing that. Um, not everywhere, definitely. But like basically the doula is there to do like basically provide these functions to the client and the client's family to help them with um, like any kind of spiritual discussions or lots of just um, discussions about things in their life like do you want to talk about regrets do you want to talk about the best times of your life like basically like how to deal with tying up loose ends of the mind and I know that's like a real esoteric way of putting it but that it's it's like everything that you wanted to like maybe get off your chest if you're the dying person this person is there to listen to you without judgment and really without fixing so that's that's a big thing that we're going to talk about I'm sure is like how you are there to do like deep active listening to this person and to that person's family not to insert yourself not to so bro crashers is bro death crashers is out but like not to put your thoughts feelings beliefs onto this person like if they're struggling with a feeling kind of let them struggle you know, so that they can kind of come to terms with whatever the ease or unease is in their mind. Now, beyond that, so that's kind of in the the initial stages. It depends on how long you really have with the person. But another facet of death doula work is building a legacy. So this could mean anything as much as like, okay, how do you want it to be like during you know, the time you're actively dying or right after or right now, like, how do you want things to be? And is there any kind of like project you want to work on with the death doula? Like, 
legacy type projects like do you want to uh, do like a like a little journal for people to read do you want to do you have something that you collected that you would like to give to certain people do you you know it's like anything that could be meaningful where you're passing something on and it doesn't have to mean to kids or to family it could mean the people that love you you know your your family is not just your biological family it's also your chosen family so like anything that you would like to leave behind kind of in, in, or like deathbed confession. Well, that too, but that's also yeah. like that's kind of a thing where like, like I'm the Zodiac killer. I mean, we do want that gotcha. to happen, but right, like yeah, and that's like something you could probably just never tell anybody. I mean, I would totally tell somebody. No, but so so you're there for that. You're also there to kind of help. I don't know, like not ease the tension between family, but also like be a bridge between the family and the client. So you're really like, you're almost acting like a type of like therapist almost. I mean, in the capacity that you can. And again, you have to just be always mindful of the, of the client and their, their needs come first. So if they, if you can sense that they feel uncomfortable with when somebody else is in the room, you kind of have to mitigate that circumstance or like, it sounds like mitigating a lot of circumstances. Now, everybody listening, I am not a death doula at this point and I have not done any work yet. So all I've done is gone to this training and kind of gotten overloaded and a little afraid, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. There was just a lot to absorb. So, um, and then also you're there to provide a little bit of, um, care for like process reprocessing. Once the client dies, you're there to help reprocess for the family. And if there were any like beautiful little moments that you noticed, like during, uh, the client's passing, like you can pass those on to the family and just throughout your entire like time as a doula, at the at the end of your service for for the client and the family you can also present them with like something in writing about like how you know how this interaction with this person has affected you and like anything that you noticed about the familial interactions that you know was poignant to you so it's like i don't know it's it's amazing work that needs to definitely be done i think because you know, people were going to have such an, an old population very soon. It would be really good to have more people train in this. And the class was sold out. There were 65 people in the class. It was fantastic. Well, I have, I actually have several friends that do like data and IT and stuff like that for hospitals. And one of my friends is telling me that um, with the database that he's developed, he noticed uh, he was just looking for anomalous statistics to present to the board and one of them was like 40 something percent of people in uh hospice with them die alone right exactly they, they die and there's literally no one in the room with them right and it's hospice so it's, they've got full-time nurse staff and everything but they're obviously not in the room with you 24 7 and you know if it's at night family's not there some people don't have next of kin that are even available to contact but, I mean, that's a staggering statistic. Well, right. And, and that's something so, that I didn't mention. That would be another function of the doula. And a lot of death doulas work in teams so that you you would actively sit vigil 
with that person yeah. until they pass. So it could be anywhere from, you know, a few hours to several hours. So it would be beneficial to work in a team if you can. But yeah, I mean, just, just the role of somebody, even just a stranger or an employee that there's someone that's literally there at the moment of death. Right. So this person doesn't just die in silence in a dark room by themselves. Um, so that just by itself, in, in addition to all this other preparatory uh, work and liaison work you're talking about. So my next question was, and I don't think I actually know the answer to this. How did you first hear about this even being a thing this, that a person could learn to do? You know what? I don't, I don't know that I can active. I don't know that I can actually answer it either, but I'm going to try. So I found out about this organization called Enelda, which stands for the international. I have to look at the book. What's wrong with me? International end of life uh, doula association. So I had heard about them on NPR because they were a sponsor at one point. So, you know, brought to you by org. So I think I went to that website just based on hearing that on NPR because it said changing the face of dying or something like that at the end of it. I was like, oh, I'm going to look that up. And you're like, I'm goth. No, I Tell mean, me more. I don't know. There's, I mean, I think we've already covered probably on several episodes that I have a not a not a healthy, probably preoccupation with death, but like it's something I used to think about a lot. I don't think about it as much anymore, but well, now I think about it in different terms. Let's put it that way. But um, so I really think, yeah, I just heard heard the name and then read the website. I was like, that's interesting. And then um, not too long about after that, I connected with uh, my husband's ex sister-in-law who works for a hospice uh, now in New Jersey and she also like knew about Anelda was like oh my gosh it's a, an amazing organization you know I don't know we just started talking about it and so probably for like a year I've been looking at this training going I really want to do this it's you know it's not exactly uh, it's it's kind of cost prohibitive but I really wanted to do it so I was like well I'm gonna just fucking do it and, you know, I had been doing some other, st like, other research online. And so I just think it's like, like you said, I don't want people to die alone. My dad died alone. I know he did. And that it's, I mean, my father and I ha had a strained relationship. So I don't take, it's not like I'm doing it out of guilt. But I do want to have a better way to deal with it rather than just run away and be like, la, la, la. N no, I can't. You know, I want to be able to handle it I guess and I want to be able to help other people handle it if that's a possibility so I mean right. it just seems so dumb how our culture is that like we're all gonna die like every single one of us there's no getting away from it. and we spend so much time like acting like it's not gonna happen and and not actively thinking about how we want it to look until like boom it's happening and nothing went the way like things could have gone so much better, you know, even even for people that die suddenly, like things could be processed better for the family on the other end. You know, I, I, I don't know. I just believe in I, I believe there's a different way. I think other cultures get it way more right than we do. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think especially in terms of this idea of people dying alone. I mean, there is a belief in our culture that people that are sick are 
or are old or are dying are somehow icky contagious right. or something you know like they're right. they're gross and you don't want to be around it because one you don't want to basically it boils down to you don't want to think about yourself dying right when you care about you don't want to face the fact that they're dying so you just ignore it which obviously is a recipe for things to go to complete shit just like you said or to to just not be a way that you would really ever envision it you know like maybe it's not complete shit but it's not it's not good it's not healthy like you know like there's got to be a better way right right I agree. Yeah. So what are, what was kind of the format or the nuts and bolts of this program? Cause I know that you did, it, it wasn't just the one weekend that you went to. It was like, there was like an online or like, so just walk me through what the actual like curriculum was. Sure. Hang on. Let me grab my giant fucking book. No, this is a quiz right now. <laughs> no, I won't do it. Yeah. There was online training ahead of time and it was quite extensive. I mean, it was probably... Like, I don't know, probably six or seven hours of online training. So it wasn't just like, I'm going to roll up and figure out what this is. Now, I would say out of the people that were there, I think probably the majority of people went through the online training. Like, you know, you know, you could just roll up and and not do it. But it seemed like the people that were there were 100 percent committed and genuinely interested in learning about the work. So the online training was basically an overview, right? So basically the definition of what a doula does, their where their responsibility begins and ends, uh like the basic processes of what you would be, you know, working toward or what the what the basic functions of a doula are. And then when we when we got to the class it was it was more like you would do an overview online about what deep active listening is but then in the class we actually did deep active listening exercises so one exercise was um one of one of us had to at the table so we were in big round tables of like seven to ten people i think and uh one of the people at the table had to be the dying person So everybody else was like the doula. So we all had to like kind of ask questions, ask about, you know, their family, like tell me about the most important, you know, tell me about the most important thing you can remember about, you know, your relationship with your daughter. Just like you kind of have to ask questions, but also you really have to be sensitive to that person's feeling. It's almost like, you need to be good at reading people or you need to get better at reading people because if you're broaching a topic that might be too sensitive or too upsetting or send them down the wrong path, like you, you want to try to not do that, you know, not, not to not upset people, but just like ask questions that you think they're going to respond to, you know? Or I mean, not even the content of the question, but just like, the nature of it being posed, like, do they feel like they're being interrogated? Do they feel like you're actually asking because you want to know? Right. You know, I mean, I think that the bedside manner seems like that would be a big component of it too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it was really interesting in that exercise because all the people that, uh, that chose to be the, the dying person at each table were like, you know, it was really intense because I really, 
you know, acted like I was really dying and had to think about things like, you know, what would I want to do if I wanted to do like a legacy project? You know, did, did I, would, did I want to like make some sort of book? Do I want to make a scroll? Do I, who do I want around? Who do I not want around? You know, so people were really taking it very seriously. And like the lady that, that was at our table, like was crying, openly crying, thinking about like her own death. So I think, I mean, that sounds like it's really almost as much an exercise for the person that's being, that's playing the role of the deaf person as it is for the doulas to get practice doing the listening exercise. Absolutely. And it's also like something that the, um, the, he is the founder of the organization. His name is uh, Henry Fersco Weiss. Uh, and uh, make, making sure I got that right. Yes, Henry Fersco Weiss. But one thing he said that I tried to keep take to heart was that, look, you're going to get it wrong sometimes. You're going to say a thing that's not quite right. You're going to, you know, all you can do is do the best you can do. You're going to have difficult people. You're going to have you know, people that don't respond, just try to do, you know, try to do the best, the best you can and try to. Well, it's like, an emotional situation. I mean, I'm sure very. that like people, people are going to react maybe not on their best behavior when they're in that situation. And it has nothing to do with anything you're doing or saying, Absolutely. but they got to get it out and you're right. the person that's there. So, right. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the time it doesn't even have anything to do with what you're doing as a doula. Well, there I know and we'll probably like get to more specific questions, but one thing that I wanted to say up top and I mean, I think anytime you're working in a field that has to do with like these, you know, liminal spaces and transitions, like this is all very like it's very witchy to me because the things that he was saying, like basically before you go into a place or a house that you are going to visit a client in sit outside in your car or wherever and like you need to do whatever you have to do to get into the space in your head where it is not about whatever you just experienced on the road whatever you just experienced in in your own house it's not you're not participating in your life anymore like you're going into a different place and you need to treat it with reverence and I was just like blown away by it because I was like, well, right, of course, or else you're going to bring all your shit into this room with this person that that's not, that's not what they need. That's not what you're there for. And I think that's just a really good exercise to, I mean, to think about anybody that's maybe going through a tough situation, not just death. Like what can you bring to that, to that arena that is not about your own drama you know well and also just i feel like the experience of consciously setting that aside and going into that job with presence of mind and you're going to do that one thing and that's going to be what you're thinking about while you're doing it helps so that when you go back out that door and you just did some heavy shit you can also set that aside and get back to your life. And, and so that not only are you dragging your shit into the client space, but you're also not carrying around this work with you all the time. Cause that seems like that could be extraordinarily draining. Right. 
Right, exactly. Um, something else that was interesting to me is that every time you leave that client or that house, like always, always end the conversation. Don't just be like, okay, time's up, gotta go or whatever. Like say, thank you. Kind of recap what you did that day. And always, 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 no matter what state the client is in, uh, always treat them like they are a hundred percent there and alert because hearing is one of the last things to go. So you don't know if that person can hear you or not, but always make sure you treat them like they are a hundred percent there. So oh, yeah. like don't have conversations about them with the family as if they are not there, you know? It's, uh, yeah. yeah. I feel it, like that's just good life advice. Well, yeah. Like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I know. But I mean, I think it would be really easy to like, if you think that person might be like semi-conscious, you might say, Oh, she's sleeping now. Or, you know, you might, you know, you just might feel like it's okay. I don't know. And there were, there were also things about like, if family comes in, like then we're talking about this person is probably in the end stages. You know, if family comes in and they start having conversations about things that don't involve the dying person or like whatever, like it's probably not, I mean, it depends on the person, like the client, but it's probably not good energy to just have people just there and like that client is just a fixture in the room. Like that's not what that's not what the energy is that we're trying to bring to the process of dying. Right. So like reverence. I don't know. There were a couple of online um, examples of people's like plans that they wanted. And one really touched me. Um, how this woman, she was like 70 or in her, in her 70s and she was dying and she wanted everyone that came to visit her to sit outside of her room on a chair before they entered the room and to think about like gratitude and think about how um, they interacted together and, and you know how they wanted to present themselves in that space with her. And not just, you know, to not just fly into the room like, hey, I'm visiting, and, you know, just to like show up, but to like really give yeah. it some thought and meaning. And there are a lot of people that want, you know, shoes removed before they enter the room. I don't know. I think there are a lot of beautiful things that can be done even in a hospital um, that can be done differently than we do them today. So next question. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> And it, it doesn't seem any more nitpicky to request those things than the same that you would do if somebody was coming over to your house right? or, you know, was coming to a party or, or a wedding or any other kind of celebration or event or thing where they're coming into your space. And, yeah, you might ask people to remove their shoes or you might ask them to keep their voices down or, you know, uh, to, you know, address you with whatever name or title you prefer like just normal respect things that you would do if someone's coming into your space. Right. Um, so, but I, I mean, I think that we tend to not think about death or people that are in hospice or in the hospital or in care. And we kind of throw all those normal conventions out the window, which makes no sense. Why would you do that? You know? So it seems real obvious, but well, and I think too, I'm sure that it's, this is just from my own experience, like with my father, it was very like, it's a very cold impersonal thing at the hospital. And like, 
I think there are a lot of people that go to a hospital, especially if somebody is like a terminally ill patient and is like terminally ill for a, a while. Like you're kind of just showing up to not to, I'm not trying to belittle it, but I mean, I know for me, a lot of times it's like, well, I have to go because my mom is expecting me to go. So I need to just go. I know he's, you know, he's not, he wasn't feeling good. He wasn't awake half the time. But I mean, I don't know any of the things that I know now with this class. So, I mean, there were definitely ways that I could have, I could have done better. But I mean, I wasn't in that space. I wasn't ready for that. But well, you did the best that you could I did. at the time. So. I did. But it's, but to me now, it shows like, man, it, it would be really cool if like, X, Y, and Z could happen for other people that I, that I didn't get to do for my dad or that, you know, I, I, Uh that other people have not been able to do for their loved ones. I just, I think, um, the word he kept using during the class is sacred. Like not only is the work that the doula is doing sacred, but the process is sacred. And I think people sometimes it's funny because we were at the table and I, I didn't, I I wanted to ask because sometimes people bristle at that word, you know, thinking of it in religious terms or whatever, like, do you, you know, and I asked one of the ladies sitting next to me, like, does that word bother you? And she said, yeah, like it, it, it does. I'm not religious at all. And I don't know what you, you know, I don't know what you mean by sacred. I was like, well, maybe important would be a better word. Like you can't always just say sacred to everybody, you know, like, yeah. Not everybody thinks of it in that terminology. But to me, like it is 100% sacred and I am thinking of it in terms of the, you know, the I don't know how to put this, like the beliefs that I have about how the worlds connect and how this space is just a transition. So, I don't know. It was very powerful. Yeah, uh, one thing that you just said was uh, about, like, the, especially the hospital setting, but also I would imagine the funeral home setting, um, you know, lawyers trying to do your will, uh, you know, um, last wishes, like how, you, you know, all, all of that stuff, all the, the nuts and bolts stuff of, of getting things done and having it passed along to your family or whoever's going to be handling it. Um, is very impersonal. Right. And I feel like that that's a big reason why uh, midwifery doula, like birth doulas, that's a big need that they're filling is that, um, you know, people just feel like hospitals are very sterile, that it's very much about just kind of getting people in and out as quickly as possible. Right. That it's, you know, not aesthetically pleasing that people are not particularly concerned about your mental well-being, really your physical comfort. Other, do you need morphine or like? Right. So and, yeah, and that there's not a lot of like that. It's just not aesthetically comfortable. Like you're in an ugly gown. Like there's all these people you don't know. There's bright lights. There's beeping machines. It smells right. like hot. You know, all of that kind of business, which is are all the same problems that you're going to have with somebody who's in life care. Right. And so I was going to talk a little bit about, because we've been talking about kind of more of like the spiritual or reverent um, side of it, uh, of treating it with as being important, like you said. Um, so what, what are some other, like, is there things that a doula can do to kind of help with 
that shit that tends to be very impersonal with lawyers and doctors and funeral right. people and all that shit. Like the practical shit. Yeah. I think as much as the family uh, wants your involvement in, in facilitating those discussions and as much as the client wants you to be, you know, a part of that, you can definitely help with those things. That's not out of your boundaries to help with all of those, all of those things, all of those arrangements. But it is also why, I mean, I myself and, you know, the leader of this program is very much like pro get your get your uh, advanced directive in order now. So there's not a whole lot of that shit going on when you're dying. But I mean, let's face it. Not everybody has an advanced directive. Not everybody has like their wishes penned out, you know, for everyone to read. And, you know, those things like for me, I've started updating that kind of stuff on a yearly or every two year basis just because, you know, your needs change or your wishes change. You want to, you know, try to make sure that there's no uh, I mean, there's going to be gray area, but you want to make sure that people at least have a clue about what you want or don't want. But if if it is like you're, you know, now you're within weeks or so of dying and you have not done any of that. Yeah, the doula for sure can help with that. There are even small things like say there's machinery in the room or like oxygen tanks in the room. Um, you can move the tank to another room or the, whatever the thing that makes a lot of noise. You can move that to another room and just use a longer hose to connect it. If, if the patient is at home, client is at home. Sorry. Um, just small things like that cover machines up with a with a towel or something if they don't you know if it doesn't need to be monitored every single second um you know change the lighting in the room you know change the the um smells or whatever like if you can maybe use some aromatherapy things like that to make the surroundings more pleasant whether you're in a hospital setting or at home and you know that's the other thing a lot of people end up dying in the hospital or like a hospice facility because they've had some sort of long-term complication. But if there's, if there's any way that you can, you know, if you want to die at home, there's probably ways you can qualify for that and have care there like for a certain time frame. So that's something else that a doula and, you know, would help the family work with and find out. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of practical stuff that the doula can help with and, and mostly just rearranging things to be as comfortable as possible for that client. Well, yeah, I mean, just the idea of, like, moving machines. Like, that seems so fucking obvious when you say it. Right. But, like, would probably never occur to me to be something I would ask about or try to change. And I think part of it is that we have this culture of, seeing doctors and, and medical professionals as being kind of infallible. Right. And uh, we just sort of accept the technology and the the setting as being what it is. Right. And that's not necessarily the case. So, you know, if, if something is, is causing someone to discomfort because it's noisy or it's blinking constantly or it's scratchy or it's aesthetically unpleasing or whatever – or it's too bright, or anything, you know, like, those are all, all, I mean, it makes a big difference to your mental and physical comfort level, and to just assume that everything has to be the exact way it is, I mean, like, going back to the parallels with uh, 
birth doulas. I mean, like, think about all the stuff that, like, we've taken for granted for hundreds, if not thousands of years of how things are done. Like, dude, in my lifetime, they switched to the plastic speculums because right. after 150 years, people were like, oh, yeah. These don't feel cold good. Metal, <laughs> yeah, cold metal shoved up your dry badge doesn't feel great. Like, but it took... 150 years for that to get fixed. Right. And it was a real simple fucking quick fix. Yep. But just just the fact that, like, we're so, especially in a medical setting, willing to just be like, well, I just got to suck it up, and this is how it is, and I don't, you know, I didn't go to med school for seven years, so I don't, you know, like, but just things like that that wouldn't even be on my radar to know could be moved around or changed. Uh, I think that completely blowing my mind well right and like that would be something as easily found out as by just like having the initial meeting with the client and kind of just saying like okay tell me what about this room pisses you off like just tell me if you could if you could make things different in this room right now what would you do you know like and try to fulfill those wishes I mean no you cannot like re-wallpaper or something or whatever but like you can make small changes that might make a huge difference to that person you know you just don't you don't know until you think to ask so like I think the biggest thing that was impressed upon me is is this whole idea of deep active listening where you are like 100% engaged with somebody and you are really really listening and you know you're not like if you have to take a note I mean maybe do it real infrequently but basically you're trying to take in all the things they're saying whether it's about you know um, like looking for meaning of their life or like just how to make this room better like you want to be like a hundred percent there for this person so it takes like a real like like I gotta be honest I don't know if I can fucking do this I mean I'm gonna try but it takes a person that has the ability to really like get in there with somebody like you can't be mentally preoccupied with your own shit so like yeah that was very that was very like I don't know almost a little daunting to me like well shit I have this full-time job I can't just quit my job and do this it's not really you know it's not like feasible as far as you know bringing in the money at this point in time but like that shouldn't like deter me from at least even trying like volunteering or whatever I've just really I've taken this last month to kind of process everything and I'm just like I'm sitting on this precipice of like okay I need to take the next action to get involved but like, it's just, it was um, like everything about it. Just also like if, if, if I never did anything with this, with this training, like, which I don't think is, is what's going to happen. But if I never did, like it has made me aware of how I want to do my own death. Like I've already like figured out, like written down what I want and that could probably change, but I know that I'm going to keep writing it down. Like, if I can be at home, I want to be at home. If I can have these people there, I want these certain people there. If, like, if people aren't freaked out by it, I want them to, like, cuddle with me in the bed because that would be awesome. Um, You know, just, like, and that's another thing, like, touching. Like, you have to, like, kind of make sure with the client, like, what kind of would you want to be touched? How would you want to be touched? You know, so, like, all of this stuff that you wouldn't normally, like, 
think to ask people like it's that you got to ask those questions. So I don't know. Something that I really enjoyed. One of the exercises we did was like, think of a legacy project that you would want to do if you were dying. And I thought um, something I thought would be cool. And this is just like one thought I had many, but um, one of the things I thought would be great would be to like, like I should take pictures now while my skin still looks good of all my tattoos and like laminate the pictures of a tattoo, like with a poem on the back. And it could be like one of my poems or it could be somebody else's poetry or whatever. And like, that could be a thing that could be given to people. Like, I don't know. Oh yeah. Right. And I mean, the I like, like the picture. I want that now. Right. I, I know. Now. I know. Right? Like this, I want the full set of Blackbird trading cards. That would be awesome. <laughs> One lady like collected um sea glass. So she made like they they like while she was, you know, um in her like final weeks of of life, they made like these sea glass strands and then attached like a card at the bottom that either had like a phrase or a saying or a quote that she really loved. And they gave these strands of sea glass out to people as they would come visit her to pay, oh, wow. to pay their last respects. Yeah. Just some really beautiful like legacy projects that it doesn't like, like the legacy project doesn't have to be, it sounds like big and scary and Oh God, I don't want to do a legacy project on my deathbed, but like it could just be as simple as, like writing a letter or like making a video, you know, just like having something for people to um, come back to. Something that I didn't even really know I was doing at the time that was a legacy project was when my uh, senior high school English teacher, like when she was diagnosed with uh, stage four cancer, like I went over to her house and had her record me on like a little voice recorder, like a couple of my favorite stories that she always told me. So, like, I have those forever, and it's just, like, yeah, right? But I didn't even think, like, at the time, I was just, like, oh, shit, I need something. I want to do something. I'm going to do this. And she was very amenable to it, so it's, like, I don't know. Just, like, you could do little things like that and not even, like, it doesn't have to be, like, this giant project thing, you know? Because, again, like, with you and me, I think we both have the tendency, like, oh, I want it to be just so, just do something you know yeah you have no idea how much that might mean to people once you're gone right because so. I mean like everyone around you is also I mean they 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 kind of almost need a doula for themselves to come to terms with their emotions about it yep. so yeah. you know like not only is it about what the client wishes but knowing that the people that are grieving for them may or may not in that moment be able to accept those things or ask for those things or be, you know, so, you know, knowing that other people are going to have, are going to be processing this event for a long time too. uh, That just seems like a whole other kind of layer to it. So yeah, those little things that even if, you know, somebody just really couldn't, they were just mentally checked out and later regret that they couldn't be more present for their loved one. Right. To have that little token or thing or whatever to, to come back to when they are ready to process all that is going to be huge. Right. No matter how little or, or 
simple or not fancy or artistic or whatever it seems like. I mean, people are going to really need that um, at various stages of their grieving process. So. Right. right. And then, you know, like getting back to people that die alone. I mean, I think a lot of the work that you would do with people that that die alone is is like, you know, work on like life meaning kind of work. Like try to give that person a sense that at the end of their life that it did have meaning for them. And, you know, you just do that by listening to them, asking them questions, asking them, you know, what seems like possibly probing questions. But, you know, tell me about a time that you remember that you were super happy. Tell me about a hard time you went through. You know, just like a whole litany of questions that we went through that you could go through with people um, and just see how they respond. And, you know, what you're really trying to do is give that person peace at the at the end of, of this life. So, I mean, I just found the whole like just to me, like this service is so needed and even if people are out there like just doing the best they can to do this, it's better than not having anybody do it. So like, yeah, my hats are off totally to the people that are already doing this work. Um, they're like, so the conference was in San Francisco and they have it uh, several times a year all over the States. But San Francisco, I guess is like the hotbed of like progressive hospice uh, care there's a lot of like nonprofit hospices that strictly like they they have doulas for every single patient. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So that's it's it's real cool. I mean, it doesn't mean I can ever move to San Francisco because it's real expensive. But I just thought it was really cool that at least there's somewhere in the country that's 100 percent doing this. And, and also like doulas are being employed on like hospice staff in hospice facilities. So it is a thing. It's just not. Like, I don't think it can be overstated how needed this is going to be in the next five to ten years. But I don't know. It was it was amazing. But shit, like, I do feel guilty for not have done anything yet. But it was also really heavy. So I'm trying to give myself a break. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. What else? <laughs> um, there were a lot there of there were. Any, like... Oh, go, go. Sorry. Oh, no, say whatever you're Well, saying. I was going to say, there were a lot of nuts and bolts talking about what it looks like to actually die, too. So I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't want to necessarily get into all those specifics, but there was like, here's what it looks like two weeks out. Here, here's what it looks like one week out. Here's what it looks like when somebody is in the active stages of death. So, I mean, like all of the physical uh, changes that some someone's body goes through like we covered that wow. in depth so that was um, rough but also super necessary because you you as the doula need to be able to communicate that what you see to the family because they may not see right. these changes like you're seeing them like basically if you're going there you know often then you're gonna notice these small changes so well, just the fact that you're there and you're not phased by it, I think is is a huge comfort to the client, to maybe the other family members that are there. And obviously if they're in hospital or they're, they've got um, in-home care or something, they're dealing with nurses who are probably very compassionate and are, are totally unflappable. So they're not freaked out by all the blood and guts and everything. Right. But it's also not their job to be empathetic 
necessarily, right. although I'm sure many of them are incredibly empathetic humans, but like, um, it's just, just the experience of having somebody that is not freaked out, doesn't think you're gross, right. isn't repulsed or, or reminded of their own mortality because this, this process is happening. Right. I think just that presence there, that energy is a huge difference for everybody that's, that's around probably. Yeah, definitely. There was a story about a woman whose son was uh, dying of, uh, he was HIV positive and he was in, like in his final weeks. And, you know, he had, he had uh, requested a doula and the doula, you know, reached out to the mom. was like, look, he'd really, he really wants you there. I guess they were estranged. And uh, she was like, you know, I don't know if I can do it. But then she she came through and she did it and she like like helped, you know, helped with the arrangements for everything and like stayed there with him and like cuddled him and like at the after after he was gone, like washed the body. And that was something that was interesting because like I think I asked you immediately after getting back from this class or doing the online training, I was like, would you wash my body for me? Is that weird? But like I kind of like think it would be a really good closure exercise for people around me to do that. I don't know. Like, and you can wash my whole body. I don't care. Cause they were like, you know, some people well, just want feet and hands. Like if like, but the, like the thing is, is do I know if my husband could really do that? I don't know if he could like, it's kind of like you want to ask people to do things, but like if they are not okay with doing them, like that's that's okay too, you know. Like I get that. It's, but it's better to to flush that out before than to like spring it on somebody like, later. Yeah, like the doula just like, oh, also she wanted you to wash her. Are you cool with that? We're gonna do that now. Let's go. Right. Well, yeah. my response was like, I kind of feel like I need to do it a practice run while you're alive because <laughs> I feel like. If I just do it when you're dead, it feels kind of like weird and necro. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything with your dead body that I wouldn't do with your live body. Alive body. I mean, I, I, it's okay. I don't know. I think that's the time to have fun, right? Like, put my arms in silly poses. Whatever. I'm just saying. Like, but I, I want to do that now. <laughs> this is how it feels. You can. You totally can. So I, I, I'm going on the record. And all, and our listeners are my witness that I will 100% wash your dead body. But I, I request a practice run at some point between now and whenever you're going to die. Hopefully that is 100 years from now. Between now and that uh, time. Okay. Deal. Deal. Yeah. I mean, I think that would be really nice. And then like, oh, we had to do another exercise where we had to plan like, a special like a, a person just any person we had to plan a person's like vigil and like it's like ritual like the after death ritual and they like they fucking call it that which made me super happy i'm like yay i'm good at rituals let's go um but like 
you could you could if the family doesn't like that terminology you can call it ceremony or whatever because i mean not everybody's down with calling it a ritual i'm sure but i am right so, so but they definitely teach it as ritual and lots of you know and they like try to take the mysticism out of the word by saying look we have a little rituals every day you brush your teeth every day that's a ritual you put your pants on that's a ritual you know which is true but like not in the way that you and i and our listeners think of ritual so right. we had to like make up a person or like take a person that you already know or whatever and like plan their whole like what it would be like when they're actively dying plus the the um after afterward ritual for the for the family and loved ones basically and that was a really cool experience and then we had one person that was like the artist kind of that would draw like kind of a depiction with like words and stuff but also maybe a picture of how it was going to look and uh, everybody at the, every table had such unique things to do for their their people or their made up dying person. It was just really really cool. I thought that was a good exercise. But also, like, it gets you to think, like, okay, well, what would I want? Well, I mean, I right. want I want to be shot out of a cannon. Not really, but like you know, like. Do you want to do the Hunter S. Thompson? I mean, I just want, <laughs> I, I don't, I, I think um, I, I would, because a lot of people are just like, what do I care? I'm dead. Do whatever. Well, no, I want it to be like meaningful for everybody around. So I'm trying to think about what would be like super awesome for me and all my friends. So I think, let me see if I wrote shit down. Hang on. Let me look in my book because I think I did write some notes. Okay, I'm going to, we're going to read, I'll try to eliminate names. Okay, uh, my vigil plan. Where do I want to die and why? Living room or outside if possible, where I can see trees and birds. Uh, if at the last hours I can be outside, outside. Uh, move my. I'm gonna wear a ridiculous bird costume. <laughs> ah, I would love it. I'd be like, remember you wanted to see birds, and I'm just gonna be wearing this like <laughs> awesome freaky, freaky like mascot costume. I'd be down okay, with that. Continue. Also, move my altar outside. Do do the ritual outside. Uh, everything outside. Okay. Uh, okay. How will the space around your bedside look, sound, smell, and feel? I want to have my favorite books near me. I would like to smell sandalwood incense, uh, fresh baked bread. That's where you come in. Nice. Or clove essential oil or rosemary Ooh, oil. Yeah. I want zero mm. overhead lighting. No overhead lighting. Note that. Note it now. I hate overhead lighting and it will not be there. Uh, soft color. I mean, that's just a good life wish. No really. shit. I mean, I can't handle it. Just even. I'm, I'm kind of wanting all of these things just for, for me I, all the time now. These are for me all the time right now. It's true. I would like my death to yeah. be like my life. Um, soft colored light. Yeah. Maybe some. That's, hey, you said that as a joke, but that's fucking brilliant. No, it's absolutely true. My death true. should be like my life. Yeah. Fucking. That's so fucking deep, dude. There's so many layers <laughs> to that. Let's put it on a bumper sticker. Put it on a T-shirt. Um, put it. Put it on the Blackbird trading card on the back of the. My the death should be t-shirt. like my life. Fucking rad. Um, okay. Fucking all about Susie too. <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, maybe some twinkle <laughs> lights. Twinkle lights, I do like. Uh, la- oh yeah. La- lanterns, cool. maybe some lanterns. I just want my oh, friends. I'm hook you up, lady. See, I want my friends to set up my altar within my view. I would like a picture from my wedding day to be where I can see it at all times. That's nice. 
okay. How will you introduce a sense of the sacred so people come to your bedside in a different mind state? Now, I stole that other ladies. I was like, I will place a chair outside the room for visitors to collect their thoughts and meditate on our relationship. Would also like people to remove their shoes. For real. Even if you're... I'm going to add something. Okay. uh, Or, or, well, not add it, but but (laughs) note. You should probably specify what type of chair. Because I'm immediately picturing some fucking, like, creaky-ass metal folding chair. And I think that is bad. No. That would be horrible. Uh -uh. If you have to sit on some horrible, uncomfortable, like... So, no. yeah, you should specify what kind of chair. Honestly, or I mean. Or, like, some fucking, like, fold-out tailgating chair. No, fuck that. No, if I'm going to specify it right now on the spot, I want it to be, like, a rocking chair with a with cushy pillows in it. Because who doesn't love to rock? I mean, I love to rock. Or, or rock. Rock, rock or, or rock. Rock, rock out mean, in the rocker. Please whichever. do. But I like that. That's sweet. Also, rock gently. Um <laughs> Cause don't 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 interrupt my dying, please, with your loud ass rocking, <laughs> like literally. Um, okay, what music do you want to hear? Well, you can guess the first one. Cocteau Twins all the time. Cocteau Twins. Cocteau yep. Twins. Red House Painters. Aretha Franklin. The Smiths all the time. Yes. All of that. Uh, what would you want? I'm just gonna have what? girlfriend in a coma on repeat the whole time. That's probably a little too literal i mean on the nose it's on the nose yeah please please maybe maybe some of their less uplifting songs uh uh what would you like read to you periodically which you know i love that question uh poetry that i have selected or any shakespeare or things that i have written and selected or the little prince so i will select all of those of course that will be fine you, I would, okay. I would, ra- I would like the English as well, though. Just saying. I want. I like I, how I'm insisting that I will, that, that you'll outlive me. I, I mean, I'm just, like assuming that. I feel like I don't know. I mean, I am. But you know what? You know what? If I'm dead, what? I, I will come. I will still come and do all this stuff. Okay. I mean, I think you will. Okay. So, like, it's good that you will know this. Okay. How do you want people to talk to you or touch you? I want people to talk about our times together. Stories about us, how they feel about our time together. I want people to snuggle me or hold my hand or massage my arms. Really, any touching that feels comfortable with y'all is fine with me. Tell jokes. Roast me. It can be irreverent as well. And I Yay. want I want my fun. I want my witches to do a guided journey with me for sure. <gasps> oh wow. I know. Woo, you gotta all write it together though. Like, it can't just be on one person. All of you have to get together and write it. Okay. okay. Will, Will, Will. Oh, there's, like, so much awesome shit that we can take advantage of, though. Because I know. you'll be in this liminal state already. So, like, we could be, like, ask you all these crazy things. I know. Right? Uh, uh, will you work like on your legacy project? We'll work, we'll work on your legacy project. Continue through your vigil and how. Um, yes, I would like a scroll to be added to throughout the vigil. So you can, like, write shit that you remember about me on the scroll. And then uh, this one lady had the scroll, like, rolled across her body after she died. I was like, that's fucking rad. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, oh, something else that I thought was really cool is somebody had a cardboard coffin. And people, like, write and drew on the cardboard coffin and everything. Like, 
this would be like for like if you're gonna have like a like a quote-unquote green burial or a funeral at home which is like not a new concept it's a very old concept but it's something that we've gotten away from as a society but if 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 I, if I can get it done i would like to do that where like i'm just in a cardboard coffin that everybody has drawn on and written on and like you know in yeah. some kind of fancy gown or whatever but like y'all can write on the coffin like during my vigil and stuff it would just be rad um well i mean remember that time that someone gave you that like life-size uh unicorn like, unicorn that we yes. came over and colored that was we so went to awesome. count on that yes. so we'll definitely be up for the cardboard coffin yep dude i want people to come over and decorate a cardboard coffin like now now right that i can just I know. have in my house yep and that'd you... be fucking rad but then we would want to do another one later <laughs> i just want creepy shit around me all the time is what i'm saying Anyway, oh, I would like my hands and feet washed for sure, or whatever anybody wants to wash, and like after. And then I want you guys to like, you guys can write the the ritual you do like immediately after, but like I want you to fucking stomp on the ground for sure. Oh yeah, I think we'd probably just be moved to do it anyhow. And then I would, st I would like, I would like you guys, and this is for anybody like. Not any, but I have like specific people that I want there. So whoever is not okay with participating in this, I get it. But I would like to be like, I would want my body written on after like symbols with henna or oils or whatever. Ooh. Just like write some shit on my body. That would be rad. Um, Ooh. And then whatever my last letter is to everybody, just read it aloud. Uh, like during while I'm dying. And then maybe, like, after, like, also having, like, a shrouding c ceremony that can be part of the ritual. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. It just, it makes you think about, like, what you want that to look like. I just want it to be, like, meaningful and powerful for, like, everybody involved, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't, it doesn't, like, but also, like, so much is going to go differently than you expect. I just want, I want certain things to, like happen but like y'all can like orchestrate those you know what i'm saying right Ugh. okay well okay i have a question go. first go um what is the role of the doula like if someone's insisting on these certain things or having certain people do things that are either probably not going to work out or are not possible or the person doesn't want to participate or whatever um to what extent, or did you all talk about this at all, like your role of kind of refereeing that? being Because, of course, like once the person's dead, all these things are really more for the people they leave behind. Right. So yeah. if it's upsetting or, in, or inconveniencing them or disturbing them or whatever, then it's probably not a great idea. On the other hand, if it's that person's wishes, you right. know, like – so to what extent or to what did y'all talk about that at all? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the sense that basically like your role as the doula is to talk to the family and talk to the client as much as they can. Like if they are still with it and these are their wishes, like you will like the family is hopefully present for these discussions or you will relay these things to the family and then. Like, if there's, like, somebody that's not cool with it, like, you go back to the client and have that discussion. Like, 
you're the mitigator basically. So like try to find a thing that everybody is okay with. Or if like one person, like say the husband or something doesn't want to participate or like don't, doesn't think he can handle participation. Like, let that client know that, hey, I don't know that he's going to be okay with this. Is that, you know, are you fine if he can't participate? Do like basically like you just need to be open with your communication at all times. But yeah, I mean, we didn't get into specific specifics about like people that are um, basically when you say it's your last wishes, people kind of take that for real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I would imagine so. Like, I mean, well, okay. What about the inverse? You know, say somebody like is requesting that they be cremated, and their mom is pitching a fit, being like, "No, I want them buried in like, uh, you know, with a Catholic burial or blah blah blah," and you and it's they're they're really trying to make us think about it. I mean. Like that would get into like being like a legal issue. Yeah, but, that's. Um, it's, I mean, ultimately, I, you know, the 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 client is part of that family. You don't like as a doula. You don't have any legal, like you can't right. legally make anybody do anything. But like, you kind of like. I think your role is to kind of try to be a bridge. So. I mean, right. as much as you can, I think there are things that are still probably going to happen like that, that you don't have any control over. So like you try to honor whatever the client's wishes were in whatever way you can with whoever wants to kind of participate in that. And so like if so, let's pretend like it's somebody's son and the mom wants a super Catholic funeral but like the client didn't want that the the uh, other loved ones don't really want that or they want to do what the client wanted to do so i would say like probably if you can make two things happen that like and maybe with or without a a body you know like they could have their big ass weird catholic funeral sorry judge 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 um, but then um but then also you could do a small like ritual like with the other people that wanted to partake in that, right. you know, like I don't, that's, that's just me like trying to think of a solution on the fly. I don't fucking oh, know. That, I mean, that's a fucking great idea. I mean, I think at some point I, I can imagine certain situations, most of them not being this way. Cause as you said, I think when, when somebody's like, this is my last witches, people usually just suck it up and take yeah. it pretty seriously. But, right. but I, there are people I mean, that don't though. There are people that are going to hold I mean, true to their familial beliefs. Cause you know, right. But in terms of, you know, to what extent you would be put in the position of going to bat for somebody that can't advocate for themselves. Right. Um, or, like, not just the family, you know, with they have very specific uh, end-of-life directives medically, you right. know, and there's either no one willing or able to go to bat for the client to be like, no, they don't want to be intubated or no, right. they don't want pain medicine or they do, or, you know, like right. all, of, or they have a, a do not resuscitate order. Like, you know, all of that kind of stuff um, that can get very legal, very fast. Right. Yeah. You know, it, uh, I'm sure that that's kind of, and it probably varies from state to state, honestly. Sure. So I don't, well, and that's I don't, why, I, I mean, mean, I think the whole, the whole purpose of, well, not the whole purpose, but one of the really great things about having organizations like Inelda or whatever, like advocacy and education are two of the most important things that 
anybody that has learned anything about this can do. So like the earlier you can like make your wishes known to people, like do it, yeah. write it down, tell a friend, do something so that if, you know, God forbid something happened tomorrow, somebody would have some sort of plan about what the fuck to do. So I right. don't know. That's just, that's like probably a really good. There's someone there to be like, Hey, I, this is what they, you know, even if you're not successful as an advocate in the role of a doula, at least someone's there. Someone is there advocating for the client when if you weren't there, nobody would be doing it. Right. So whether you're successful in, in getting exactly what they wish for or not, like at least, at least it was put out there right. and they, they died um, knowing that somebody was advocating for them, I think is, and, and just the fact that like people that are tangentially involved with this process even are seeing that. Right. You know, I think that it's, it's, it's good for our culture for people to be around this process, yes. to be around people that have a different way of looking at it, right. to see what this looks like in action. Right. So I think all of that, I mean, is just good for bystanders that maybe are are, only, are a few circles removed from from the actual family or friends. Right. Still important work for them. Yep. Couldn't agree more. I think that's a good place to kind of wrap this up. That turned that was a mini that has turned into a full on episode. A maxi, um, maxi. Maxi. We have our newsletter will be coming out shortly after this is put up, and we will list. I have so many references to list in the links. Um, I will list. I'll list books to read. I I'll list uh, these organizations that uh, the organization that put on the training is Anelda dot org. I N E L D A dot org. There are other uh, like a hospice organization that I want to go ahead and put the links up to. Like we'll get all of that out in the newsletter, and uh, and yeah, it's just really moving. And the more you can make yourself aware of of just all of the things that we can do differently i think just any kind of education is is the way to go forward with this well i appreciate you taking the time to tell me all about it and i think it's fucking hardcore that you one would be even willing to do a job like this two like actually went and fucking like got the ball rolling and are doing the work to yeah this goal like it might you know, take like me with, a while but it's okay like it's i have well, to you, be you're ready. already doing a yeah. lot of work yeah like, for yourself yeah. like for your practice yeah. for people that you're going to be person even if you're not like officially a doula so like you know right. a lot of a lot of work has already been done and that's pretty fucking hardcore so i'm hardcore Woo! all right well this has been great yay 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 Thanks, everybody, for listening. And wait, are we doing our thing? We can do it. Yes. One, yeah. two, three. Hocus pocus. Pocus, bitches. bitches. Oh, my God. So slow. Oh, what my God. What are you doing? Let's do it. One, two, three. Hocus pocus, pocus bitches. bitches. Oh, my God. We're never going to get that together. Why are you doing it weird? I don't know. Okay. We're, we're all doing it weird. I love you. I love you, too.